0: The Sports Gambling Podcast Network and Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as betting stats and trends that you won't find anywhere else. And finally, we are brought to you by BetQL, the only app that puts the knowledge you need to make smart bets in the palm of your hand. Log on to BetQL.co today. Today is Monday, July second, and welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. And this one's going to be riding solo. We're going Jason Derulo on you. Uh, we have a ton of great episodes coming up with some guests, but this one I thought would be a good idea or a good jumping off point rather to get into the a couple different things. I mean, what else could we possibly lead off with other than the news that you're going to hear at nauseum? That is, LeBron is a Laker. Usually when something like this is going to be reported uh, literally at nauseum and and I just can't take it anymore with every single person on radio, on podcast doing this topic, I usually try to stay away from it. It's just it gets to the point where enough is enough, right? But I think from an odds perspective, there's a couple things that really popped out at me and I think that there's some things that can be... Really, really kind of uh, drawn out and utilized in this because I think that misdirection could be key here and a lot of things that people aren't taking into account with what's going on with the Lakers. I really, really do. On top of that, we have the MLB... Middle of the season, the halfway point came and went on Friday, I believe. So we're going to take a look at some of the most surprised teams, surprising teams in both a good and bad way, as well as the best MLB futures to kind of make at this point before the all-star break, before the trade deadline. Again, this is a, a market as always. The point is buy low, sell high. So if you can kind of get on board with the team uh, before they kind of make that splash or, be, or before they sell. That is always, always conducive to your sports gambling. Uh, We're going to dive into, again, like I said, the fallout of the decision 2.0, the halfway MLB season, and we're going to finish up with the July 4th Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. I mean, how could we not? So let's get into this here. LeBron is a Laker, and uh, however you feel about this, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't really fault him because it's arguable that the Cleveland Cavaliers supporting roster, at least with Kevin Love, was better than what the Lakers have right now. And again, everyone's going to say that the other shoe has to fall, be that either Cowie Leonard or Demarcus Cousins. But I'm at this point, with signing everyone that they have so far tonight, they're $3 million over the cap. So when you look down at this roster, you have Lonzo Ball, KCP, Hart, Lance Stevenson, Ingram, Lowell Dang, LeBron, obviously, Kyle Kuzma, JaVale McGee at the minimum, Wagner and Zubak. And so when you look at that, I mean, at least the Cavaliers had, again, I realized he was never healthy, uh, again, a, an MVP candidate before he came to the Cleveland Cavaliers in Kevin Love. And I think that there's something to be said for uh, buying a piece of Kevin Love. A, again, this is probably assuming that he stays with the Cavs in what I'm saying right now. But when you look at when he was the guy and not just made to be this out, this outside three-point shooter, that really that's not what his game is not built around. He's not Kyle Korver. He's not Ray Allen. Uh, that's kind of the role that he was thrust into due to the fact that LeBron was there. And of course, I'm, again, I'm probably one of the biggest Kevin Love fans on the planet. I think he was one of the best players in the league in Minnesota. I think he should have gotten MVP. Uh, but when you kind of when you want to be on a team with LeBron James, the key is outside three-point shooting, right? That's not that's not Kevin Love's game. He's an inside out guy. He can hit those shots, but it's an added bonus. When you rely on him to just hit those shots, like he's sitting out there like he is again, Ray Allen, Kyle Corver. That's not who he is. And when you sit back and look at everything that LeBron James did uh to kind of make this happen, these seeds were planted for a long time. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I bet LeBron to go to the the Lakers at 10 to 1, 11 to 1 when that was there. But people knew this was coming, I think, uh, from for a while. LeBron has two houses there. He has a media company there. So this was always, I mean, he wants to be magic. I really believe that in terms of what he wants to do with his life after basketball. And the only way that he can do that is to kind of sit there and learn from magic and to, to be that entrepreneur, that mogul type. But this roster, as it stands right now, is not very good. Uh, there's no way around it. Julius Randle is there. He's a nice piece. He never really panned out how they thought that they would how he would, but that's just the nature of the NBA. And I think that this is probably LeBron's kind of quote-unquote last act for the next four years. So when you look at this, I think that Cowie Leonard could also possibly go somewhere for a year. He could stay with the Spurs for a year even. I think a lot of this was predicated on the fact that LA thought that Paul George coming there was a done deal. And him going to OKC or staying in OKC rather probably really kind of put a wrench in their plans. But that being said, when you have the best player in the game from a gambling perspective, it's been to eight straight finals. This is, uh, it's going to shift the odds and they're going to overreact. And I think there's a chance here to kind of really look at this from a broad perspective and do some, I keep using this word misdirection, but I really, really, really believe that that's the correct way to do this. I'm going to say this from the start let the general public, let the masses, let them bury LA futures because LeBron is there with a subpar roster. And again, If they go out there and they sign Cousins somehow, they move ball and get Kawe, this is what it is, right? But at this point in time, they're $3 million over the cap. They have to get rid of about three first-round picks and move three to four players, if not every young player that they have, including Kuzma, that I don't think that they want to do. So with this being said, let's take a look at these odds as they are right now. Again, this is uh, I'm going to go back to what this was directly after the decision 2.0 and where they are at this point in time at 10 p.m. in Vegas. So again, the East and West were taken off the board with throughout Las Vegas until LeBron made this decision just because they couldn't properly price the market until they knew exactly what was going on right now. So leading off, we have the Warriors at minus 110. Truth be told, I think this line, uh, I'm never going to use the, the word free money. I think this is a chance to buy at an overreaction I think this is his chance to buy the Warriors at the bottom of the market because people are so enamored with what LeBron did with Cleveland. And again, I think that that supporting roster in Cleveland was better than what the Lakers have right now. Who on the Lakers is better than Kevin Love? I I, I can't think of one single player. Uh, Ball is a 20, 21-year-old kid, whatever he is. Ingram is the same thing. They are so young and at least, again- I watched the same finals that you guys did. I saw the fact that Cleveland could not hit an outside shot when LeBron was set them up beautifully. But the Lakers need a sharpshooter, and they don't have one right now. That's not to say they can't get one. But again, talking about these current prices and what is available to you right now, I think though this is such an overreaction of the market. When you talk about a team winning the way that the Warriors have, Houston is more of a threat to the Warriors than the Lakers are right now. I truly believe that. And again, In two years, this is going to be a vastly different conversation because I think this is a two- to three-year plan with LeBron uh, to be in Los Angeles. I really do. There's never going to be a chance for you to buy the Warriors at a lower price. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say, this is free money. You need to go bet the house on this because I realize how much it sucks to tie up money for Jesus seven, eight months now, whatever it is, until the end of of the NBA season. What I'm telling you is this is the bottom of the market for the Golden State Warriors. And me personally... I've already invested in that minus 110. I just think that there is going to be no bigger opportunity for you to short the stock that is the overreaction of this. And uh, you always heard that it takes time for a new team to gel. And how many times have we seen LeBron with new guys? And it takes time. So I think that this number, especially in the early part of the season, and I know the Warriors don't give a shit about regular season, I really do. This number is, again, my philosophy with futures has only been to buy futures when the market is going to shorten. And I think that this number could balloon out uh, minus 140, minus 150, minus 160 in the beginning of the season when people really see how bad that Lakers roster is. Again, this is all predicated on the fact that they don't get Leonard, that they don't uh, get Cousins. Again, at $3 million over the cap as it stands right now, overpaying for Stevenson. I don't know how that they're going to do that. So to me, the second best bet on the board for the NBA right now, let me say that, is the Golden State Warriors at minus one center in the NBA championship. So when you go down the line, Rockets at plus seven hundred, uh, I don't know how you can back this team. But they're the third best team in the West. Harden and Chris Paul are great. They're not gonna get by Golden State. They're not gonna get I don't even think they get by LeBron. They may, but they're not gonna get by Golden State. And yeah, you can hedge that bet out. It's probably going to shorten. Actually, uh, it definitely will shorten throughout the season, especially in the playoffs. But again, there's no value in a losing ticket. And with this current situation, I, I just don't think there's a great value there. 76 is a 14 to one. They're not, they may not get out of the East. Actually, I don't think that they will get out of the East. And they're certainly not beating any of the top three teams in the West as it stands right now. The Celtics. This is really, really what I want to talk about. This is where it comes back to misdirection, as I just talked about. Everybody is going to be throwing over men, women, and children to get a piece of LA at plus 350 to win the NBA Finals. That's probably what I should have let off on. The the Lakers are coming out right now with LeBron at plus 350 available to bet at the Westgate in Las Vegas right now. That's not a plus 350 team. As we just talked about with the head's odd maker on a prominent offshore book at mybookie.ag, that price is that is uh, it's set out there you you're paying a premium. That team should be six, seven to one the same way that probably, again, I know I always say to just blindly bet the the streak because you can never bet on it, but that's the same as what the true value is for the Cavs. And again, I know that's worked out for the Cavs, but the Lakers should not be the uh, second biggest favorite tie with the Celtics to win the NBA championship just because of LeBron. Even though he's been or seven or eight uh, NBA finals in a row, he's in the West now. This this doesn't apply. This cakewalk that is the East does not apply anymore. He has to get through Houston and the Warriors, and that's not even accounting for Golden or for uh, the Thunder, OKC, who just retained Paul George. And say what you want about Carmelo Anthony opting in, that team is is never going to get there. I get that, but that's still a grueling season. The West is ten times better than the East. So w- the biggest play that I think in the wake of this is the Celtics and not even coming close to saying to bet them to win the NBA championship at plus 350. Although I think that that's a beautiful hedge opportunity because outside of Philly, there is nobody in their path in the East. Toronto, okay. Philly, okay. Boston beat all of them without Hayward and without Kyrie. And God forbid they get Leonard. I mean, imagine that. Granted, one of those players would probably have to be given up, obviously, probably Kyrie in that situation. But people really don't really remember that Gordon Hayward is probably going to be the best two way player on the Celtics when he comes back. And that's in that system that he is so familiar with, with Brad Stevens. So when you break this down, I don't again, I always maintain that the Cavaliers should be priced, or vice versa, like the Patriots. When you've done something for like that for so long, There should never be a reason to be a plus in front of your name uh, from an odds perspective. They should be minus 110 at least, minus 140, minus 150. If I was an odds maker, series or not, straight bet or not, playoffs, NFL, NBA, you can give me a philosophical difference all you want. I would hang the Cavaliers at minus one two hundred to win the East every single year. They were plus one thirty, I think, at one point last year. Uh, and it's the same thing with the Warriors. You wouldn't be able to. F- I would hang the Warriors minus two three hundred every single year until this stops. I really would. And I get the you know the market guys are going to give me the disparity and it'll catch up. I get that. My point is though, there's nobody in the Celtics' way now that LeBron is out of Cleveland. The Cavaliers are now uh, fifty to one. 500 to one. To, no, am sorry, 50 to one. Jesus, I looked at that wrong. Uh, to win the East. The uh, uh, 76ers, 14 to one. The Raptors, let me pull that up. Six to one. Sorry, 60 to one to win the NBA championship. Now, again, I know the East isn't out, but if that number is anywhere under minus 120, who is going to beat the Celtics? And that's what I'm talking about with this misdirection play. That is the NBA. There's no reason who is going to be the Celtics. And again, I know I'm going to sound like a homer because I grew up in Boston. I'm telling you, this is from a strictly money-making perspective. And if you want to back yourself up, put a little bit on the 76ers at probably, Jesus, I don't know, they're 14 to win the NBA championship, so probably 7 to 1, cut that in half, say. Uh, and so if you kind of put that out, the Celtics should be plus 140 uh, to win the East. I think to me, that is the best bet on the board in the wake of what happened with LeBron James. As it stands in time right now, and again, I would just grab a piece of that because you don't know what's going to happen, but the Lakers are going to get worse before they get better. And I know that sounds weird saying that they got LeBron, but there's, again, $3 million over the cap to get a Boogie Cousins, to get a Kawhi Leonard. You're talking $25 million. And I just don't really understand how. I mean, again, three million—that's twenty-eight million dollars in cap space. So you give up three first-round picks. Is that really what the Lakers want to do? I don't even think they're willing to do that. And then you're talking about giving up Ball at a seven million. You're talking about giving up. Um, a Luol Dang is going to be non-negotiable. He would go in any deal, which would eat about ten. Um, so that's seventeen. I mean. If somebody wants to take a discount to come play with LeBron, that's an option. I mean, David West did this for for so many years. <laughs> finally, finally getting it done with the Warriors. After uh, going to the Spurs for so long, I couldn't get it done. So, veterans are going to want. I mean, LA is the mecca of basketball in the United States. It's going to attract every big ticket free agent. The problem is, is the way that their roster is constructed and the moves that they made prior to LeBron really, really handcuffs them a little bit. So again, I'm not going to spend all day doing this. I think that this is going to be talked at ad nauseum from every gambling podcast show to every uh, Stephen A. Smith, to every first take, to every ESPN, to everything and everything for the next week is going to be ad nauseum talking about LeBron and what it means for the market. To me, I would ignore it. I would place Golden State at minus 110, and I would place the Celtics at probably plus 175, plus 200 when the East odds come out, and I would ignore it. I really would. I just think that there's so much value there in a misdirection play, and looking towards what that did to the East market rather than what does what that did to the West market. Um, I really do. But this is this is the big ticket item of the podcast is the MLB halfway point. So when we look at what has gone on in, in the MLB halfway through the season, um, have there been a ton of surprises? No, not really. Um, a couple, kind of. I don't want to say warm your heart, but a couple good things have come out of this uh, from teams that have kind of t- taken the next step. Teams have found identities. Teams have come up on the rebuild a lot quicker than they thought they would. So let's break this down. So the Yankees and the Reds, let's go the AL East. The Yankees and the Red Sox are going to be the first two teams ever, I think, in the same division to win 100 games, and one of them is going to have to play a wild card spot. And if this doesn't tell you that the MLB needs to change this and make it a three-game series. From a wild cards perspective, I don't know what does. It, it, it really is. It's it, <laughs> Travis is the wrong word, but it's sad that one of those two teams is going to have the possibility of have their hundred-win season come down to playing one game. And again, I know the MLB wants to put an emphasis on winning their division, but at the end of the day, uh, this game is being played at such a high level. I, I think that rule change is a long time coming since they did this, and that's the next logical progression. So again, I don't have uh, AL or you know division odds out in front of me just because I'm recording this a little bit late on Sunday night, and they're with Sunday night baseball just coming to. They're not going to be up till tomorrow, but in that situation, they're both dead even right now. Uh, Teeth the dog is the best situation, and every time they flip flop, keep taking a little piece of the dog, and hopefully, you can just arbitrage your way to a nice little free profit. The AL Central is the worst division in baseball. Uh, Cleveland is eight games above 500 with a nine game lead. Uh, the second place team, Minnesota Twins, is 10 games under 500. <laughs> and that's being kind. This I wrote about this on SGP that every time they dip below kind of three to one, four to one, you should take a piece of that. And again, people are so kind of obsessed with not betting into chalk and this and that. And it's just their division is so bad, they're going to win it by default. They could be eight games under 500 and have a two game lead in their division right now. Uh, so uh, is Cleveland as good as years past? No. Andrew Miller being out has a lot to do with that. Obviously Carrasco, Salazar, uh, Brantley coming back has helped, but this team has been bitten by the injury bug. They do probably do have one of, if not the best managers in the game in Terry Francona. But to me, uh, this, it, it's so out of range right now it was like minus 2000 for the AL central, uh, division crown. So not a lot you can do there with that. The AL West, Houston, Seattle. Obviously, uh, Seattle, 0.5 games back, when I talked about teams finally finding their identity, this is one of the two teams that I was talking about with Seattle. Seattle finally looking to go over the season win total (laughs) on the year after, what, seems like eight, nine years they've gone under. Every year, this is the team with the hype, and they've done it without Robinson Cano, which is such a testament to this team. I mean, eight and two in their last 10 they're here and they're here for real. And again, this is so much, it's such a testament to this team doing it without their star and Robinson Cano, but James Paxton is an A1 ace. Make no doubt about it. Top 10 pitcher in the league has been, he's had some weird splits. I don't know if you guys know this, but especially something that I like to capitalize on in, in August is Paxton has a sub one ERA in August in his career. He's never missed a start in August, and he is uh, has a 0.98 ERA in August. And finally, he's kind of translated that over. Obviously, just going seven scoreless, striking you know, 10-0, 10 0 one nothing lead against KC today. Paxton's for real. Is that enough to beat Houston? Probably not. When you look at what Houston is, I mean, uh, this is the best rotation in probably the last, God, eight years next to some of the Yankee rotations that we've seen. I mean, when you break this down with Garrett Cole kind of revitalizing his career, Justin Verlander having another MVP slash Cy Young type of year, Dallas Keuchel has struggled, but they have Charlie Morton. They have Colin McHugh who could take that spot. Lance McCullers is a sub three and a half ERA guy. Brad Peacock. They have such an array of starting pitching and they are so deep. I don't know how you can go against Houston here. And the good thing about what Seattle has done is they have kept the Houston odds well within range. I just grabbed a piece of Seattle of uh, Houston plus four seventy five. Again, my call to fame will always be hitting ten to one on the Astros preseason last year, as well as Altuve uh, plus seven fifty. I'm gonna tell that to the day that I die because uh, what they did in their front office was get their team a ton of OBP guys, and they carried that over this year, except the fact that they got. <laughs> tenfold better pitching than what they had last year. The rich got richer, and Seattle is not ready to hang with them. Even if somehow Seattle wins this division, I mean, Verlander against... Verlander versus Sale. I mean, imagine that in your AL wildcard game, right? I mean, that could be absolutely crazy. Uh, is it likely to happen? Probably not. Houston's probably going to win the division, but you're probably going to have Paxton Sale or Paxton Severino uh, in the AL wildcard game. And I mean, what an amazing four hours of TV that's going make to make four, but is that really... Uh, best for business, for lack of a better word, in, in a one-game series where one of those two teams has to go home when both of those teams, uh, Houston, Seattle, Yankees, and Red Sox, all could win 100 games and are on pace to win north of 100 games right now. So again, when I talked about taking the dog in between Red Sox and Yankees and just kind of flip-flopping that every time one of the two teams is a dog, I would take a little flyer on uh, the AL in Again, either whichever one is better priced in Seattle, in Boston, Seattle, in the Yankees, Houston, in Seattle, because eventually you're going to get two of those teams in, which is so fascinating about this. Because in the AL West, you're going to get Houston and Seattle, or you're going to get Yankees and Boston. So you're going to get out of those four futures, when normally you may only get one in, you're going to get two of those teams, two out of those four teams in. So to me, that's the play there. So when we look over to the National League... Biggest surprise of the season, I I don't think, I think this is surprise 1A after probably Milwaukee, but I think that Atlanta is is the biggest surprise here. Three games ahead of Philadelphia, which is probably the third biggest surprise of the season. Atlanta, 48-34, three games ahead of Philadelphia at 45 and 37, and Washington hovering above 500 at 42 and 40. And what a fall from grace Bryce Harper has had. I mean, he was, when he was lighting the world on fire, looking to be the highest played player in the world, which is kind of crazy that that's still probably going to be the case. Atlanta and their their young talent has come to play and they are not giving up anytime soon when you really look at this. Do I think that Atlanta can sustain this over a full season? No. Do I think Philadelphia can? No. I think the Nationals are really primed to make a run here. I really do. And they're always going to be buyers. You remember, they got Papelbon. They just got Heredia from um, uh, the Royals. The Mets in Miami, I mean, not even close, 14, 15 and a half games back. So this is a three-team race in Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Washington. When you look at what Washington has in Scherzer, they're going to get Strasburg back. Gio Gonzalez, Tanner Roark. Nobody's won more games the last four years than what Roark and Gonzalez have done. Philadelphia has the ace in NOLA. Atlanta, uh, F- Foldy, my boy over there, Sean Newcomb, Julio Tehran has looked the worst out of the three, which is saying something. If you don't have an over ticket on one of those three teams for the season, especially Atlanta, I think they wait and play this one out because one of those teams is going to be left out in the dust and sucks to lose a ticket like that. So I would look at this from maybe a player perspective if you're not already holding a future on that. Again, again to my head, I really think that Washington probably makes this. Again, I know they are six games back of Atlanta, but Atlanta to me, they arrived a year too early. And as you know, I never like to back a team on that first playoff front. I think the moment is too big. And I know they have all the talent in the world, but they're just too young to me. Uh, so uh, again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to buy a team that's six games back. Although that is at the lowest kind of point of the market, and they are three and seven in the last ten. So the uh, again, the NL East is is a little bit up in the air. I don't think there's much of an edge to be to be gained there. The NL Central. What a year for the Brewers at 48 and 35. Adding Christian Yelich, I thought was one of the best offseason deals that any team made, and I thought he would be a 2020 player coming from the Marlins ballpark to the Brewers. And of course, he's he's running right pace for that at about 11 and 11, uh, obviously expanding that out about 22, 23 home runs and steals. Cubs at 47, 35. I think that people thought that Cubs would take a step back last year as they did because their defense and their saver metrics were just so out of this world. It, it is so hard to expand that out and do that for many years, especially with, with what Kyle Schwaber is out in the outfield and everything like that. And the Cardinals at 42 and 40. The Cardinals, all they do is win games. Obviously, they're hovering around four hundred right now. And again, this team is playing this division is playing the epitome of mediocre baseball. When you look at the Brewers, their last 10, five and five, the Cubs, five and five, and St. Louis at four and six. Not much of an edge here. the The question that I kind of asked myself was, do I want to pull the trigger on a Milwaukee future because the market hasn't really caught up to them, right? There's could still be had in the NL Central for about plus 140, plus 130. And the Cubs were about minus one, or even money, plus 110. I don't know if I'm there yet. They have no pitching. I, I, I When you go back in the Chassin, Junior Guerrero, Chase Anderson, they have the best relief pitcher in the game at Hader. They really do. And again, they have shown the propensity to be buyers at the deadline. People forget they got C.C. Sabathia for their stretch run before he signed with you know, one of those big money, lucrative contracts with the Yankees. So, if they add a piece, I think would be the time, and I'm willing to wait and kind of pay that premium if I can see that they're going to go out there and get somebody. Because there's not a ton out there on the trade market right now. The Cubs have it; they have Lester with a two seven two one seven ERA. They have Bryant. They have Rizzo. And the Cardinals—they've been known to make these miraculous runs in the second half. So I'm just not there yet to to be ready to buy a, a Milwaukee Brewers future. NL West, this one is probably the most polarizing division in baseball. When you look at Arizona, this is the team, much like Seattle, that I touched on that finally found their identity at 47 and 37, 10 games above 500. Dodgers, what a letdown of a season at 44 and 39. And again, they started the season about 10 games under 500. Obviously, Kershaw has not looked like himself. And when I get into futures, I'm going to kind of touch on what that market looked like without Kershaw. Obviously, Scherzer are the overwhelming favorite now for the NL Cy Young. San Francisco, 44 or 45 and 40. Colorado, 41 and 43. And San Diego is in the basement at 37 and 49. There's not much to touch on between San Diego and Colorado other than the NL MVP is going to come down to Nolan Arenado of Colorado and Freddie Freeman of Atlanta. Both of these are priced at plus 200 at the Westgate right now. And so what can kind of break them apart? Arenado is having the better statistical season, no doubt, even though he's missed some time uh, with an injury and was suspended four or five games. Atlanta is seven games better than Colorado. And so to me, what does voters kind of take in mind more is a statistical performance, even though the team is awful. I mean, Arenado, truthfully, could have won the NL MVP two to three years, two to three times by now. So could Freeman probably last year if he didn't get hurt. So... I think that whichever one of these two teams makes the playoffs is probably where that nod going to go. And again, I mean, what do you want? When you touch on both these guys being at plus two hundred, one of them has a seven game lead on the other at Atlanta at forty eight and a Colorado at forty one. Although I do think that Arenado has a real chance to win this MVP because of the quote unquote due factor. So when we touch on this, we look at kind of the the AL and the NL futures bets, the World Series bets. When we look at World Series futures, the favorite right now is the Yankees at plus 500, five to one. I'm sorry. It's the Astros at plus 450, like I touched on. Then it's the Yankees at five to one. I think the Astros should be a little bit lower than that. And I think the Yankees should be much higher than that. The Red Sox are at six to one. The Indians are at seven to one. I think that's a great price because they have they can rest people down the line They can get Brantley some days off. They can get Lindor some days off. They can get Kluber, Salazar, Carrasco, Andrew Miller. These people can all take their time because they have a nine game lead in their division. They can take the last month of the season off, and the Twins are not going to catch them. So I think that's fantastic value at seven to one. After that, when you break it down, Diamondbacks or Cubs, seven to one. Dodgers, eight to one. I mean, they were a plus two hundred, plus three hundred for the NL in the World Series prior to that. They were plus three hundred to win their own division about two to three weeks ago before they made this run. And past that, I don't know if there's anybody that you want to take a, a kind of a future on. The Mariners are eighteen to one. The Brewers are eighteen to one. I mean, that's those are your quote unquote value. Please, But to me, I always like to go the AL and the NO. Make it simple. Don't worry about the World Series. So you look at the AL right now, Yankees plus 250, Red Sox plus 300, Indians plus 350. And again, past that, it's so top heavy. After plus 350 for the Indians, the next closest one is the Mariners at nine to one. And obviously the Astros at plus 225 are the favorites in the AL. Indians to me is the play, and I bet this preseason. I bet it kind of throughout when they were faltering, even though they were still again three to four, five games up in their division. The Indians are to me the play in that again they have so much room for error. The Yankees, the Red Sox, they have to kill each other to get that division because they don't want to play a one-game playing series. They are playing game. They just don't. Astros are, are again with the Mariners breathing down the Astros' neck. Eighteen to one is, is fantastic value. I'm not going to fault you. For, or I'm sorry, nine to one is fantastic value. I'm not going to fault you for taking that shot. But at the end of the day, I think the Astros win that division, and I think they go on. Same thing with the Indians; they win their division, and I'm just, I'm just not ready to touch kind of the Yankees or the Red Sox at plus two fifty plus three hundred. That being said, when we touch on the Yankees, Luis Severino, in my opinion, is going to win the AL Cy Young Award. He is available. At the Westgate at plus 250, prior to tonight's performance, he is now plus 200. Chris Sale, plus 200. Justin Verlander, plus 300, who's faltered a bit. And Corey Kluber at plus 450. Severino, is uh, he's taken that next step at 24 years old. He's touching 100 miles an hour and north in the sixth, seventh innings, and he is one of the best offenses in the league behind him. He's leading the league in, in wins. Chris Hill cannot get run support. And for that reason, Chris Hill is not going to win a Cy Young winning 11 games with a sub 2, 2 ERA, whatever the case may be. It's just not going to happen. So th- from a Cy Young perspective, the bet that you need to make unequivocally, I gave this out again on uh, one of the additions of first to third is Luis Severino. Uh, by the time I gave it, I it was plus 700, plus 800, down to plus 200. And I still think there's fantastic value there. And when we touch on the other side of that, the NL Cy Young. again, if you guys are not reading the Sports Gaming Podcast and the first to third articles, I gave up well, as soon as Clayton Kershaw was going to need a second DL stint, I said there's a lot of value in Max Scherzer at minus 270 to win the NL Cy Young. And again, people are very apprehensive to bet chalk and I get it. But again, it's not to say you can't flap at it. Bet your 1.1 units, your minus 110, whatever you're comfortable with. Put your own line on it. Make it one minus 150. Bet 1.5 and take that return. Max Scherzer now uh, minus 500, and people are going to say that's uh, there's a ton of there's a whole second half of the season left. How could he possibly be that if he gets hurt, he misses three weeks? It's going to come crashing down. There's nobody in the NL NO that can hold a torch to what Scherzer does right now, and it's reflected in the odds again minus 500. DeGrom plus 300, hasn't had a win in two months with a sub-1 ERA. It's not going to happen without the wins. This has to be full full circle. So DeGrom at plus 300. After that, we look at, Jesus Christ, And when you look at this, uh, John Lester at plus 700. It's not going to happen. Schroeser is clearing away the front runner of that. If you can open parlay it, do it, do what you need to do to get a piece of Max Scherzer at minus 500 for the NL Cy Young. I just, there's no way around it in my opinion there. So when we look at win totals and pull up fan right now. I'm just going to go through kind of division by division. Red Sox, 102 win. Oh, these are on pace for right now. Red Sox and Yankees, 102. Blue Jays, 80. Tampa Bay Rays, 79. Orioles, 59. Indians 90 and 72. Twins 77 85. Tigers 69 93. White Sox 61 101. Royals 59 103. AL West Astros 103 59. Mariners 93 69. Athletics 85 77. Little surprise there. Angels, surprise not for the good at 82 and 80 on pace. Rangers, 75 87. NL East, Nationals on pace, 87 75. Braves, 85 77. Phillies, 83 79. Mets, 73 89. Marlins, 66 96. Cubs, 90 72. Brewers, 87-75. Cardinals, 84-78. Pirates, 78-84. Reds, 71-91. West, Dodgers, 89-73. Diamondbacks, 89-73. Giants, 83-79. Rockies, 81-81. Padres, 71-91. And and again, this takes into account strength of schedule, expected win percentages. So this isn't just kind of brought out uh, full scale. Fangraphs doesn't just kind of double it at this point. Uh, it takes into account who these teams are playing, pitching matchups. It's one of the most reliable sources in the league. So again, I know some of those numbers may seem a little off. Obviously, the Cubs having a better record than the Brewers. It's due to strength of schedule. It's due to everything else. Uh, So that's what that is all about right there. So when we look at this, again, I touched on kind of the bets that I I think that are are good to make. But some of the, again, I touched on the surprises. The Braves at 81 or I'm sorry, 85-77 uh, projected. This rebuild was coming for a while, I and mean, baseball guys saw this coming with Albies, with Okuna. Okuna may be the next Mike Trout. It, it, he's that good. He's a top three major league baseball player at 20 years old. Not, not at this point, but he will be within two to three years. And again, Atlanta went on this run of eight, nine, whatever it was, division titles in the row, and it's just the rebuild took a little bit longer, and people kind of forgot about them. And that's really all that happened. So we look at the MLB MVP at the halfway. J.D. Martinez on the – sorry, let me start with the AL. Mike Trout at minus 400. Mike Trout was available for plus 350 when he was slumping in an over 19 slump. This is why in baseball, much like basketball, it's a game of runs, except without – Major League Baseball is individual while baseball, basketball is team. So when you, you have to be on, the, be on the lookout for those and checking these odds daily. Mike Trout, minus 400. JD Martinez, he's a DH, it's not going to happen at plus 350. Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts, I will never forget. I had a 20 to one ticket on two years ago. He beat Trout in every offensive category except war and Trout won the MVP. Then and there, I kind of made a decision never to bet against Mike Trout to win the MVP. <laughs> and uh, this has happened again with Mike Trout at minus 400. The one that I want to touch on, we touch, talk about value, is Francisco Lindor at 40 to one. I bet him preseason for a pretty big bet at 8-1. to one. He has 22 home runs. He's within three of the AL lead right now. And this price to me is absolutely insane. Again, Altuve at 20-1 is the other one that's in that range. The Indians are going to win the division going away. If Trout gets hurt again, if anything happens, J.D. Martinez has hit a lot of home runs great. Mookie Betts would probably move into that prohibitive favorite role. El Tufe is not going to win back to back MVPs. Judge hits a lot of home runs, doesn't play great defense. Springer slumping. Correa, they may take vaults. Donaldson, no shot. Machado going to get traded. Could go to the NL, get rid. And again, I should note that uh, the Dodgers are the favorite for Machado right now, so that gets rid of him. Stanton strikes out too much. There is no reason I can see why Francisco Lindor. Should be forty to one. You win the AL MVP. He hits for power. He hits for average. He steals bases. He plays a Gold Glove shortstop. He's gonna be. He's one of the faces of the league. You can't turn on MLB channel commercial without seeing that smile. So to me, that's the bet to make at this point. And I, I I can't tell you how upset I am that I, I thought eight to one would be the ceiling of that market, and here it is at four to one. Uh, That to me, that price is just crazy. Um, And again, if you don't have a piece of Trout at four to one. I'm not going to sit here and tell you to bet a minus 400 favorite, but wait till a slump, wait till something, get a piece of trout. Because again, when this goes back to preseason, one bet will always pay for the other. Trout was plus 135 to start the year. So as long as you get a piece of trout at plus money every single time, that will pay for your long shots. And that's kind of the philosophy I take with the AL MVP. I touched on the NL MVP with Arenado and Freeman. And to me, this is a two horse race. Both of them are plus 200. I think they're priced very accurately. And there's just nobody else in in the National League that I think can hold a candle to them. I mean, Goldschmidt at fifteen to one, Bryce Harper at fifteen to one. Bryce Harper was a minus two hundred five favorite, by the way, at the beginning of the season when he's turning the cover off the ball, and he can't hit over two hundred right now. So that goes to show you how up and down baseball is. But to me, take a piece of Arenado and take a piece of Freeman. You're going to make you know, quote unquote, one unit if you bet uh, both of them at plus two hundred. And again, whoever makes the playoffs probably going to make this. And obviously, Atlanta has a seven-game lead. But Arenado has—I mean, he went—he hit another home run tonight. He has the possibility to just go mental. He has that in him. And again, do you want to back the guy in Atlanta or do you want to back the guy in Coors Field? Uh, to me, that's kind of a no question. But you're paying a seven-game handicap for it in the playoff market. So you got to kind of look at uh, what's more important to you there. But again, that's that's kind of MLB halfway. At a nutshell, uh, there's not a ton of other storylines outside of Rookie of the Year, all that stuff. Uh, Otani was probably obviously the favorite in that situation. If you have a book offering any line on Gleybar Torres for the Yankees with 15 home runs at this point now, Jesus, uh, in just over two months, you, you need to get a piece of that. I don't care what the price is. Uh, open parlay. do what you have to do. Torres is going to win the AL MVP now that uh, Otani's out. Otani is if you shorted that stock with under nine and a half wins, that's likely to cash. he's probably only going to play DH, maybe pitch the last month of the season, something like that. Uh, so that's up to you if you decide that when you look at Otani's season, was it a disappointment? Was it not, or anything like that? But that's kind of the MLB season in a nutshell at the halfway point. And again, uh, within the next two weeks, I think it's going to be next week. Uh, Scott Bowser and myself will be doing a a, a all star. Jesus, if I could talk, an all star. Major League Baseball weekend preview. We're going to be doing Home Run Derby with odds. We're going to be doing All-Star break and kind of news and notes from around the league uh, with myself and him. So that will be kind of more in-depth into the All-Star game specifically, which is up on, I think, July 2, the uh, 16th, 15th. Uh, it's, it starts on like a Wednesday. So I believe the 9th is going to be the last. There's going to be the uh, when that show will come out. So that will be the next edition of Inside Vegas is the All-Star break and the All-Star game. So, Let's break into the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest because there is absolutely nothing better for degenerates. But before we do that, take a break, pay bills, and thank our sponsors. The Inside Vegas Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. Oddshark is the only place where you can get Tips and picks from a supercomputer that you cannot find anywhere else. Finally, we are brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only app that puts the information you need to outsmart Vegas in the palm of your hand. Download their app, BetQL, and log on to betql.co to download the app today. So the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Am I going to sit here and tell you that I have some edge and that I can (laughs) handicap this? No, but you're going to bet it. So what are we going to do? So let's look at the odds, right? Uh, the women's division didn't even know that existed, if we're being completely honest. Uh, Miki Sudo, minus 500. The field, any other eater, plus 350. Women's hot dogs, over 40 and a half, minus 140. Under 40 and a half, plus 120. Joey Chestnut, minus 550. Field at plus 400. And hot dogs eaten in the man's is 40 and a half, or sorry, uh 70 and a half at plus 120. To me, this is this is chalk. I tried betting against Chestnut when I think it was Kobayashi, I want to say. Uh, I'm never doing it again. Put him in your long shot open. When I say long shot, uh, put Chestnut and Sido at minus 500, minus whatever it is. In your um, you know, your build-a-parlay, uh, if you have an offshore book or you have a credit book, this is especially useful, right? You can put Chestnut. You can put Pseudo. You can put Pats to win the AL East. You can put all of these quote-unquote chalky free money plays, Scherzer in the NL. Um, this is what this is for to me. And if it kills it, you know what? Fine. Uh, obviously, I would think most people are going to bet you over here to root for some hot dogs. But again, going back, 68, 69, 70, 71, 70, 71, 71, 70, 71. So again, crap shoot. Take the plus money on probably over 70 and a half is, is where I would go. But again, my advice. Put chestnut, put the chick uh that's that's favorite at minus five hundred, put the pats to the AL East, um, and put an open slot and kind of get your 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 viewing pleasure and your uh plus money, if you can, even money, whatever it is, and you have action for a whole year until uh whatever your team is that you want to put in there for, for some division stuff. Um, you know. Cleveland to not win the Super Bowl, all that stuff that people don't even look at. There's a market for it and that you can kind of build these parlays up. And again, just so you guys know, but minus one thousand worth about ten cents of juice, minus 520, 25 cents of juice. So wait till cyborg fights next. All that type of stuff that seems out of range and unbeddable. When you build these parlays, that's kind of you know how you can kind of close them and finish them. So that will do it for this week's edition of Inside Vegas. Again, I apologize. I'm kind of riding solo this week, uh, but we have a ton of great episodes coming up, and I thought it was kind of important to get in, out into the MLB season. Football's coming up. MLB gets kind of lost in translation, but it's such a good market. There's so much to look at, especially from a future's perspective. Uh, so I thought it was kind of important to take a look at the halfway point, which again was on Thursday or Friday. Um, and next week we will have on Scott Boser, we'll do a A-A-L, or A-L-N-L, uh, AL, or AL, NL, AL, Preview show, uh, home run derby odds, all-star game odds, uh, who got the best squad, if if the MLB needs to kind of change how they vote on stuff with the fans doing it instead of players, coaches, managers, all that type of stuff. And after that, if you guys enjoyed the odds making perspective, we have a very special treat. We're going to be having the uh, one of the head props makers. Uh, so anything and everything to do with props, whether that be, we touched on that in the odds maker and the risk manager episodes, but whether that's... Uh, stuff with Kevin do with Super Bowl halftime shows, the Gatorade, all that stuff. How props are made? I mean, how does somebody sit there and get a points and assist prop for Al Horford in a night against Minnesota? Like, how does that t- stuff type of happen? So to me, it's absolutely fascinating. So that's stuff coming down the line for Inside Vegas. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, please rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes.